Hi everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, we're going to do things a little bit different this year, uh, this time around, sorry. So, the show mostly focuses on writers, and my two guests are most certainly writers. Um, but there are also many more things, as we'll, we'll talk about once we get into it. Um, as you know, around these parts, we cover a lot of Star Wars, and as you also know around these parts, um, the holiest of Star Wars days just passed last week, May 4th. Although the original film didn't release till three weeks later, 1977, May, May the 4th just sounds better from a marketing standpoint. So commercially, that's great for toys and posters and stuff like that. And, but Star Wars Visions Volume 2 was released last week. And as you know, we love that series around here. It's wonderful. Um, and we really, really, really appreciated the um, more international feel that uh, Volume 2 gave us uh, featuring studios from around the world as opposed to just Japanimation uh, studios. So with me is uh, what ended up being my favorite short from Volume 2, Al's Song, are its two, uh, I'll let them explain it, but uh, basically they are the parents of Al's Song <laughs> in, every, in every aspect, uh, yeah. from, from conception to, to production to, every, to just about everything else. So I'll let them introduce themselves, but joining me today is uh, Nadia Darius and Daniel Clark, uh, both joining me from South Africa. Hi guys, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, thanks, thanks for having us. us. No problem, no problem. <laughs> a great introduction. I like the parent analogy. Yeah, calling us, we, we actually use that analogy all the time, mm. just sort of being parents, you know. Yeah, well. because, again, you know, like sort of that you were with this from beginning conception to... Exactly, from, exactly. From birth to, and then I guess, where you think life begins. <laughs> That's a different conversation. Yeah. Different. Also, making the film, it, it sort of becomes the full focus of your life. You know? Yeah. It's like it's all the meaning, it's, all the purpose. It's everything. everything. And but, and our, you know, the, and all the characters in the film, especially our, they become real, you know. Mm. You, you're caring for and nurturing and looking after this very real soul. <laughs> so more and more and more real. Yeah. Protecting it all. Yeah, you get that so much, especially from authors of of traditional publishing novels and stuff, where they, you know, when you spend enough time with these characters, they they become real. And like I said in my sort of quick review of the short, it's it's this you know the uncanny valley, which I don't know if people are familiar with that term, but that that happens in um, in fiction stories. It can be written or otherwise when um, the writers turn a non human character into it appeals to people in a, in a human in a human like sense right so whether it's a robot or an alien or it could even be just like an inanimate object <laughs> i mean um this ability to evoke emotion in in humans you know from an alien or robot again is is something that's um it's not easy to do and it doesn't always work but uh i thought it was it worked very well in this short but i don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here on the process side of things but uh, let's let's have you guys introduce yourselves real quickly Okay, well, I'm Nadia Daris, and uh, I was co-director and writer on our song. And and I'm Daniel Clark, and I was also <laughs> yes. uh, also just we had a um, a writer Julia Smutslow who worked with us at the beginning and helped us a lot with, with the script. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, with the script. So we perform some, perform I just want to give yeah. her a shout out in case anybody thinks we're the only writer. Yeah. Now I don't know how big. Triggerfish is from a company standpoint, how many people it employs? I think you said 70 or something. Um, and like just physically how big the building is. But you know, you've mentioned a few times on, you know, at celebration, then in another interview I read where you guys had never really met, like, or you'd met but didn't really know each other. We're not um we're not actually so permanently employed by Triggerfish, we're actually freelancers. Okay. So we got hired by or contracted by Triggerfish 
um, to direct this film. Yeah. And I think we, had we ever worked on the same? We worked on the same Which projects, one? but completely different departments. So we never really got to. Which projects? I think Stickman and uh, Revolting Rams. I didn't work on Revolting Rams. Yeah, you worked. Oh, yeah. well, we <laughs> <laughs> You, you both are credited on Stickman, so definitely that one. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you uh, think you know better than we do. <laughs> <laughs> but that looks like that looks like it, maybe. But uh, yeah. but definitely Stickman, yeah. Um, that's really cool and interesting and very important because, again, because you guys are so involved with this short on every aspect, on every level, I don't think I need to tell people, how, like, you would have spent so much time together uh, over the course of what two three years anyways um yeah i mean we genius, basically yeah. we're pretty we're pretty toyed now you know <laughs> yeah that's now. that's kind of what i'm getting at it's vital like you know you two getting along is vitally important <laughs> in the success of this short i mean uh trust, yeah. trust is is huge in the situation and um i'm just curious sort of uh if you want to sort of share your first impressions of each other um you know the first time you sat in a room and really discussed more more i mean i don't mean personally i mean more artistically like uh, mm. cre creatively because talk about the first time you sat down with each other in a real in a real sense to really sort of start to sort of map our song out mm. well well i think actually more importantly was the first time we spoke we didn't actually so we met to talk about the possibility of working together on the film but we didn't talk about the film at all really we talked about life we actually we wanted to Sort of feel each other out, yeah. you know, because um, if there's no chemistry, if we're not aligned in any way, then yeah, you know, what's the point of even going to the film, <laughs> to be honest? And and then we, yeah, we was at a coffee shop somewhere, and mm -hmm. um, I think Nadia said a few times we were both probably like a little bit intimidated by each other. Yeah, I think yeah, uh, uh, and but it was I rem I remember speaking for myself a huge sense of excitement and relief after that conversation because I very quickly felt like there was definitely some sort of kindred spirit um when it came to you know creativity and creativity i think is is an expression of something probably even deeper some sort of fundamental way of looking at things um yeah i think we were both uh, very open to sort of talk about anything yeah <laughs> you know and uh, i think if you're going to be working together and telling a story together you got you can't be scared you know you can't be um you can't be too scared to talk about what you feel about yeah, things, like, you know, themes in yeah. life. Um, you got to be willing to be open about that and not get, you know, you let your ego get, protect your ego too much. Mm -hmm. So I think we were both open enough to, and we both saw that. But I think um, to answer your question, I think Daniel is, you know, he's, he's, in a, he's an amazing illustrator and painter and artist and and um I mean I always knew that about him I saw him from a distance and that's what I knew him at for you know and and, and um how I, how I had a lot of admiration for him and um also sort of the kind of respect that he that that people had for him and and yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was quite a, there was something about him of sort of freedom that he that he um uh, portrayed that I that I admired but meeting him you know I don't know that's that's the impression that I have but once we started speaking you know we started feeling less like something that I saw over there and, and more like a brother you know or, or a friend what once you guys once what yeah sorry Daniel your first impressions of Nadia yeah I mean uh, it, I was just saying this was actually relatively similar 
um, I think. I mean, I'm a bit older than Nadia and I've been in the industry more. Mm. So, you know, but uh, I knew Nadia from people who knew Nadia. And everybody who spoke about Nadia spoke about her with a sense of respect, you know. So I had this sort of Nadia-shaped picture from other people's opinions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, like, the same as Nadia, as soon as we started speaking, it was just, there was warmth and a person who was open and honest. And like, yeah, I knew it, I, I could just talk to this person. It's, you like, know? it's like when you you imagine someone that you, you respect or someone that people respect or whatever, it's like you imagine that person, they have quite a thick skin. So, like, to consider collaborating with that person, it, it seems, um, you know, so, something about it seems scary. It's like, there's this thick skin. How am I going to get? Is it going to be room for me? You know, how am I? Yeah, yeah. Or like an ego or whatever. Yeah. Hmm. Exactly. When, how was the decision made to have co, you know, directors and co editors and co writers and co everything? What was, how did that decision come about? And whose decision is that? I think, you know, I'm not sure. Did you know? I think what happened was there's a, a local friend of both of us who's a, a director also. His name is Daniel Snowden. And, uh, he's sort of an industry veteran. Yeah, he's like, he would be really good at producing if he was a producer. But, uh, and he, so the, I think the idea was to partner up an experienced person with somebody less experienced, you know. Mm. It's because uh, Nadia's original. So the the whole sort of backstory of this is Nadia's original pitch, which was about a little boy who sings and is a sort of a witch doctor in the village and a rock giant, was the one that I heard. And the idea of the singing and just all of it actually, the sensitivity of all of it appealed to me a lot. Like I, it just it just stood out from all the rest, and the rest were good. So. Um, and then Dan had encouraged me to look and see if any of them um, appealed to me. And, and Nadia stood up by far the most. And I think Dan Sladen had persuaded Nadia to pitch. He persuaded me to pitch. I'd also had pitches. Um, we should probably give you some context. So Lucasfilm contacted um, Tigerfish. I wanted Tigerfish to make one of the Visions films. And then Tigerfish um, reached out to artists that they sort of trust and they've worked with yeah. before um you know getting people to pitch ideas and whatever and then we were included in that group of people um both of us uh weren't actually going to pitch <laughs> we we um i wasn't gonna pitch um i didn't think yeah, i would even get in even as well you know like i didn't think i'd get selected or whatever um and then like you said daniel snadden he basically hassled us into pitching so i i mean i didn't know he was asking you too mm. i didn't know you at that point um so then we all pitched and and my my pitch was sort of shortlisted and then there were five pitches chosen and mine was part of that and then that's at the, that's the point where daniel um took interest in my pitch and he and he contacted me and then we we met up and then we developed the pitch a bit further and then um the pitch got selected as part of a final two and then we pitched to Lucasfilm, and then Lucasfilm chose our pitch. So mm -hmm. that was the process. Um, had you guys uh, co-directed, co-written anything before, or was it sort of more solo projects before? So yeah. for no. this, yeah, for this scale, I, I had I had a film. I'd done, I've done a graphic novel called Caribbean. I'd had that in development with Sony, and I was co-directing with Daniel Snadden. But that was, you know, development. So you don't have a team yet or anything. So I'm not sure if that really qualifies as, <laughs> as directing, but that's the closest I got. 
Um, but yeah, yeah, no, no co anything. Yeah, no. This is this is both uh, our first sort of. It's it's kind of crazy, right? But this is our first um, director experience at this at this level. Like I directed my a student short film, you know, and, yeah. and I. I've directed like jobs, at, you mm. know, motion graphic videos for businesses and stuff like that. But, you know, this is something else. So we, I mean, you know, with, with the lineup of films and, and the directors and writers on all of those films, um, we're very, we, we know that we're in good company. And the fact that we get to have this experience and sort of like almost a starting point in a way. Well, um, if you think about it, the uh, Screech's Reach director is also his first time. Yeah, he's a producer. Yeah. yeah so. so. Mm-hmm. Um, did you feel any which way about doing a, a you know a co thing for the first time and 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 what was there anything from the experience of working with somebody so intimately that maybe surprised you or caught you off guard or something that you found maybe sort of extremely uh, pleasant <laughs> maybe something that you wouldn't have thought of before? Yeah, definitely. There's lots of things to be honest. Lots of things. I think. Um... But having never, having never done it before, there's no way you had any context. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You must have had expectation. My expectation. I was nervous. You know, I I'm very opinionated and strong-willed. You know, and I know that I can I can upset certain people that I've worked with before. Mm. Um, and I I didn't really know Nadia, so I I was like I really want to do this, but I have no idea if this is going to work. You know, we could completely clash. It could. You know, she could just find me, you know, completely obnoxious and annoying. But uh, so, so I suppose the surprise was that it just somehow worked so well. And we basically made like a best friend, you know, like mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I mean, I came in with the same fear, but like the opposite. Like I, I fear I, I knew that you would be or not new. I imagined that you would be confident and that you would have strong opinions. And my fear has always been. I've turned down opportunities in my life in the past, like um, filmmaking opportunities and singing music opportunities because I felt like I, I wasn't, I thought I wasn't ready to protect the thing that would come from me, you know, protect the the muse that would come through, so to say, or whatever, that I wouldn't have enough of a spine. So naturally coming into this, you know, I had a similar fear that I thought that I wouldn't have a... Um, you would be a little bit to Wouldn't be strong ground. enough to, to hold my ground um, mm. with Daniel, but I, so I was surprised by myself. Um, I think, you know, when you have enough pressure, there's no room for those kind of insecurities, you know. It's like when you really care about the thing that you're creating, like, when you, it's like, I guess if you have a kid, you got to be a parent, like, you know, <laughs> you can't play around, you can't mess around, like, those are things for away. <laughs> but um, I think because we were so, we were both so open to just talk about anything and, like, mm. explore any any topic and and, and go deep and, and not be afraid to do that, not be afraid to get emotional, you know, in front of each other and all of those sorts of things, like, we very quickly sort of, you know, jumped over those those um challenges Jesus. and got through it. Yeah. yeah. I think I think the, the project benefited from a female male partnership leading the show, like sort of uh, having a play of masculine and feminine perspectives. Mm. I definitely think the, the project benefited from that. And in fact, moving forward, I'd I'd like to work with that um in that way again. Cause that was something that surprised surprised me. I always thought I was a tomboy before this project, right? Growing up and all of that stuff. And uh, 
this project so made me realize <laughs> this project made me realize that I'm such a woman, you know, and like actually working with a man and seeing how the kind the way that he thinks, you know, through and the way that he feeds back versus the way I think, the way I would feed back to a creative or whatever, and how we sort of become to the same point but in different ways, like um yeah, so so that was very surprising to me to 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 realize how feminine I was. <laughs> so I'm glad I could help. <laughs> so, 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 so hold on are you saying that multiple voices makes things better <laughs> imagine that <laughs> yeah, wow <laughs> yeah yeah obviously I'm, I'm being a little flippant but yeah 100 percent, right i mean that's what's plagued writers rooms for generations is not allowing other voices into the room and, and pretending to to know and understand either the you know the female brain or the male brain or different cultures are all these different things right so to your point Nadia 100% right totally agree and and I'm glad that was uh, something that you experienced and uh, certainly as a po in a positive way because there are mm -hmm. stories you know classically of of uh you know let's say women being brought into a, an only men's writers room and not and it didn't go well mm -hmm. right because yeah. they because they were ignored or dismissed or whatever they were only there to to fill a quota right so it's wonderful to hear that that um went in a much more positive way which is reflective of Dan obviously and the and the whole team for sure right and the the the, the reason why I can come out feeling very positive about it or, or having sort of heightened confidence coming out of it is because we would reach the same conclusions even though we thought about things differently yeah and it's actually it's such a we I wish we did a behind the scenes like documentary or something like you know for first time directors or whatever like it would have been so useful because I think there are a lot of assumptions about, you know, exactly what you're talking about, about like women, maybe, I think the system was based on a sort of masculine way of thinking, like, mm -hmm. you know, even the pipeline, the animation production pipeline, you know, it's the way it's structured has come it's probably designed by men, I would imagine, I mean, yeah. I'm saying this. Exactly, are masculine, but to, to be in the system and, and, um, I definitely function in a, a more feminine way than, than Daniel because I wouldn't, you know, limit femininity or masculinity to sex. But like we would reach the same conclusions even though we would come from different directions, and that was great. And we could so protect great. things in different ways, you know. Yes, mm. yes, yeah, because we had to fight for a lot on this one. Yeah, yeah. So we come from different cultures, you know. So Di like, ish. different cultures, different experience levels, different ages. I assume different. Just like you said, you you know arrive but then to fight and then realize you both arrived at the same point or the same conclusion must have been sort of like such a relief in a lot of ways too right because even just practically you're in production time is money right like you can't waste time arguing about things that are never going to get changed or if you two are that's why I was stressing earlier about your relationship is, is I can't understate it enough how fucking important it is like if you two don't get along then I mean oh, yeah. our song never gets made right yeah it, really, it doesn't it just doesn't so yeah yeah and if it does it's not going to be any good you know? right the heart that it does um not any any inhibitions you might have had going into this thing i hope would have been quelled somewhat by the fact that it was your pitch that is the one that made it um and even though it changed obviously um that must have felt pretty good and and dan tell me what was it about her pitch that you, um, you know, you said that you were quite fond of the idea. Tell me maybe more specifically, what what about it that uh, you attracted you to it? Do you wanna? Um, oh, okay. uh, um, I think 
you know, as as an artist and having or as artist or not artist, having imp- that sense of imposter syndrome, it doesn't matter how far you go. It doesn't matter how many times you get selected. You'll always feel like an imposter. Mm-hmm. So I think having my pitch, you know, get selected, that does not quell or sort of, you know, kill kill the demon. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't kill the demon of you know I don't des- I don't deserve this or this doesn't make sense or or whatever, you know. So. I think that just answers the first part of your yeah, question. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But it, but again, it's like like the the opportunity, the 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 opportunity to write start a story in the Star Wars universe with the tools that you have in the Star Wars universe is just so incredible. It's bigger than your insecurities, you know. So for me, even though I would feel like an imposter, I could put that aside and just accept that if I get this responsibility, I'll absolutely take it because it's bigger than me, you know. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. you've earned it. Yeah, I mean that's a hard thing to believe that you've earned it, but I mean, yeah, yeah. and and you can just assume that you're always. I mean, I have the same feelings. Like I assume that I will always feel not good enough, not on the in group, not you know, in some ways an imposter. In some ways, somebody's going to knock on my door and tell me, "Oh, you got to get a real job." You know, it never goes away. It hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, say so you just you. You just be grateful for the opportunities you have and you try to give as much of yourself mm. as earnestly but as you, you can. You also have a rebellious spirit, which is great, <clears throat> and which won us many fights in the on production. <laughs> yeah, once I know once I know what it needs to be, I'll fight to the death for it. Mm. But yeah. uh, um what appealed to me about Nadia's you know partly it was Nadia herself, because uh, the first I saw it was all five people talking and you were speaking. Um, and just, yeah, it, was, it was a camera in that room, right? Eh? Yeah. How weird. <laughs> I, I just shouldn't make it while I was sick. Oh, I was no, very yeah, sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was, yeah, it was just zooming. It was very awkward. But I, I remember just thinking, just that the way Nadia spoke, the sort of language that she used, she always, she never used any cliches. She, everything she said felt like it was her own idea and wasn't, you know, Often, even good ideas and good writers, there's a sort of a familiar ring. There's a sort mm-hmm. of like, oh, oh yes, it's that kind of a story. Oh, it's that kind of experience. Or, oh, they're saying that sort of a thing because they know that right now those sorts of ideas are popular or that sort of a character, you know. But there was just none of it. It just felt like, oh, you know, even though we changed a lot of it, it's still just as much nutty as it, as it was at the beginning. But, um, so you were so, so like French. you were sold you were sold on her in a lot of ways more than or just as yeah. much as the story it sounds like yeah. yeah yeah obviously the the idea of the singing and the force the force it's like immediately I had visuals and like oh my gosh there's so much potential here you know yeah. I immediately had ideas that I wanted to speak to you about like you know straight away yeah. but yes I think that the combination of that that sort of that's that powerful that visual idea even though it's an audio idea I saw it visually because I'm visual. <laughs> And just Nadia herself, there was some, there was just like a, you know, it's like you kind of just know when you see it. It's hard to describe exactly what it is, but there's just something. But yeah. also also part of the pitching process, like, you know, we'd write the, like a synopsis of the story, but you'd also have a little section, like a motivation, you know, mm-hmm. or where the, where the story is, in, what the story is, is inspired by. You know, so when you're pitching to, when we pitch to Jigafish or when you pitch to Lucasfilm, you're not just talking about the, you know the story you're also talking about where it comes from yeah. and i think you know the the little motivational um 
write up or whatever to my pitch. That's the thing that we hold on to, you know, that's stuck all the way through. And I think that's probably also, I imagine, what you connected with. I'm sure it is. I can't remember it. I I, I really do think it was. Because like the story came from a real place. Yeah, but I, I, I pretty idea. much, I think I got that sense from just you speaking. Right? Like there's oh, so many yeah. people saying where these things come from. And like, you know, like everybody has that. But it's like how you say. Hmm. Interesting. Um, you know, your pitch eventually is the one that that gets chosen, and Lucasfilm is happy with the idea. Talk about each of you. Sort of. Um, did you immediately go out and see Volume One of Visions, even though it was that was only Japan Animation Studios? But like, did you? What was your history of Star Wars, and had you seen Volume One of Visions at that point, or did you go back and watch it, or did you just want to start from a totally blank uh, canvas? Um, I I didn't know I didn't know about Volumes One. Okay. Um, at that point, um, but I've seen all the films before that. I've seen all the poems. I played the game, you know. Uh, well, Battlefront. Yeah, Battlefront. <laughs> Love Battlefront. Um, my favorite thing about Star Wars was always the the soundscape, mm. you know, and just the, the soundscape number one, and then um, the creatures and just how big it is and how and how like um, the variety of of species and all of that stuff. That that was what I loved about Star Wars. It wasn't really the specific stories, you know. It wasn't. It wasn't like. It it was the world mm. that was that was what I was in love with. Mm. Um, Star Wars. It's it's and that speaks to sort of like your background musically, of course, too, because I read that you know you would sneak out and sing and rock and rock bands and stuff because it was <laughs> primarily you know in in, in Muslims uh, countries and stuff. The you know the men are only permitted to sing in some instances, right? Yeah. So you would have to sneak out to to do your singing and rock at writing rock bands and stuff like this. So, you know, it's like your ear is already attuned to that. So I would imagine like, of course, John Williams score and Ben Burtt sound effects and all these different things from Star Wars. That's the stuff that you immediately attached to. And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I guess. You know. <laughs> subconsciously, probably, right? But I mean, and I bet, yeah, and I'm sure Dan's answer would be on the more visual side, right? So we would lean into maybe some of the more sort of like ILM stuff, the visuals, the visual effects, and it's probably your fondness for memories of Star Wars, right? And and um, yeah. So I, I think I had actually seen Visions one. Um, I I love anime, you know, in general. So yeah. I checked it out. I think I probably rewatched it. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> must have. Yeah, yeah. My history with my, you know, I, I don't think either of us, we're, we're both kind of hesitant to call ourselves fans because I think that comes with some sort of responsibility. I think there are people who are very serious about we, being We have it. seen real Star Wars fans. Yeah. Seen <laughs> you were at Celebration, uh, so you've seen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think yeah. I yeah. like pretend to that, yeah. to that title. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, visually it is, a, it's a fantasy, which, you know, I'm not actually a big sci-fi fan. So it has, I think I, in one of the articles, I said like, um, the balance. there's just so many elements that feel like they're part of my, at least my, like the, there's a medieval aspect to Star Wars. There's a, you know, there's these sort of like second world war era, Mm. Uh, Mobius, you know, Gingerard, the illustrator. Um, the uniform design. Yeah, like there's just so much of that stuff. Uh, samurai films, Kira Kurosawa. 
Yeah. Like so much of the stuff that I love was just, you know, in in those in those films. But I do remember actually the uh the music because the first film I watched was uh, Phantom Menace. I hadn't seen any of the other Star Wars films. And that's still my favorite film. I'm sorry. I apologize to, to real fans. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that I'm that generation. You know, I think it's it's often the film that you watch when you're 10, 11, 12, 13. That is the one that, that sticks with you the most. And that, that was the one I watched. And it was the the uh, choral music to the Darth Maul fight. I remember like trying to find that music and eventually finding even making a little animation to it and stuff i was obsessed with that piece of music like it was just it made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up like every time i listen to it um i just want to stop right here and just say if you consume star wars in any way whatsoever and enjoy it you're a fan so please (laughs) (laughs) i understand trust me i i used to blog for a star wars website and i've been with star wars my whole life and i understand there's an extreme (laughs) you know faction of star wars fans that uh you know where it really does encompass their 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 whole life but um please don't call don't refer to yourself as not fans if you if you consume it anyway and enjoy it you're star wars fans and i bet george george and george lucas would agree with me um, yeah, but, <laughs> no, but I mean, I you know, like there's the worst part of any fandom is gatekeepers, right? They ruin every fandom, and um, it, you know, so let's we just want to get rid of that type of stuff, right? Like, if you guys like Star Wars, you're Star Wars fans. Yeah, and um, I think part of the thing that I love about Star Wars is listening to George Lucas himself speak. Yeah, because he speaks, he talks about, I want to create something new. Yeah, you know, yeah, I think he got. A- Hate with the prequels, but you can see that it, even if you don't like them, some of them I don't really like. He was doing something new, and that's it. Often actually upsets the the people who like. It's, very, it's yeah, it's very generational too, though, right? I mean, if you talk to people who whose first Star Wars experience was the prequels, they love them. They mm-hmm. absolutely love them. Um, you know, there's a, there's some of the more original hardcore fans who you know who sort of shit on them, but uh, I don't. We don't need to pay, give them any attention. To me, ultimately, all Star Wars is good Star Wars. Of course, there's varying degrees of of quality, but I mean, look how much yeah. content. Look how much content there is. You, you're not. You're. I'm a huge anime fan. I, it's pretty much all I watch these days. It, like, there's really great anime, and then there's really shitty anime. <laughs> like, it's just the way it goes, right? So, it's this whole thing about you know this. No one. There's no taste makers here, right? Let's let's mm-hmm. just enjoy the content we enjoy and move on with our lives. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things too I like that because um, you can have like I, I don't think you can have good animation and a bad story be successful. I think you can have bad animation and a good story be successful though. I, my point is this thing it's still a story driven medium no matter what. Um, you have to tell a story, and if the story doesn't connect with people, I don't care how good it looks. I don't. I really don't. <laughs> Um, now our song happens to both look great, <laughs> sound great, and the story I really connected to. Um, so talk, let's go, let's talk about the story. Um, talk about how it went from maybe you said it was a boy at one point. Um, and then it switched to, was it, it was still called what well, if he had a name or at all, but at some point we get to Al, the girl Al, um, talk about sort of like, yeah, so you, you pick this, this is the pitch that's picked. You guys have decided you're the team. You, you are, uh, you're fond of each other. You're like, let's green light, let's go script. So originally it was a boy. I mean, to be honest, the original 
little story that I wrote. Um, the thing that I was hooked on was, I, so I made it a boy because it, it actually, it was first a girl. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was a girl. And then I, I kind of thought, how typical of me to choose a girl. <laughs> yeah, boy, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? If, yeah, you're what such if, a girl. You're such a girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about the boys, you know, who um who, who feel the same sort of sensitivity to be creative and, and sing and I think there's a I don't know, I just I just faulted for boys when I decided to go with a girl, you know. Yeah. And so I chose a boy. But I mean the it was about a, yes, a boy at the time, a character who 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 um who who sings and in, in private <laughs> And 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 experiences some experiences something, you know, un, unknown to him, which is you know he sort of has a certain experience of the force without knowing about it, knowing, without knowing about that stuff, and then you know a situation arises in which he feels that he could use that that that, that he could feel in his heart that the singing could do something, and he tests it out and and he does it and he and, you know he sort of pushes it to its limits. So that was the core basically of the the pitch. Which um, you know is obviously very much inspired by my own personal experiences. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Uh, I think. Uh, correct me if I'm. I, how I remember. I remember speaking to Nadia, and we were just talking about each other's lives, our own lives, and um, and Nadia spoke was speaking about her father, and I I think I remember saying, that's that's what the relationship should be. You there should be a father or daughter because Jeez, that, you remember this stuff. That's crazy. Yeah, because it's like that. That is that is interesting. There's like it's just a, a whole wellspring of like stuff there to draw from. Because I think it was a friend and in the and then the um and then oh like oh, oh yes yes, yes. so there was a village there was a woman uh, a village woman um who we sort of kept as the the Jedi that we have in in the film now Kratu. So there was this this village woman and and she you know everyone would go to her when they had sort of troubles or whatever and she was actually um family with this boy but nobody knew about it they didn't really look similar you know he was sort of like a bit of an outsider but he was actually family with this this woman in the village that is well respected and sort of solves everyone's problems um and that I relate to <laughs> yeah that that was sort of inspired so. Oh, I mean, do we really need to get into sort of South African politics? <laughs> but but chronologically, I suppose. Yeah. Once we'd once we'd got the sort of green light to go ahead, they paired us up with the writer, Julius Mutzlow. Um Nadia and I just tried to spend as much time together as possible. We just talked and talked and talked and talked. Yeah. Obviously, we tried to spend time with the writer too. And um it was a very collaborative process. I think, you know, neither of us I've had some I practice with writing, you know, for the for developing my my film and stuff. But I'm not a writer, and Nadia is not a writer, so we we're aware of the rules. You know, I've read Save the Cat. You know, <laughs> um, but uh, both of us wanted to try avoid to avoid them as much as we could without you know. We both have respect for that sort of thing, but we know we also are aware that you can fall into a trap of yeah finding security in structure, thinking that you're telling a good story because you're hitting the right beats, you know. Um, and Julia, the writer, was very good at sort of acting as a counterpoint to us. She would challenge our, you know, flights of fancy, our, our sort of, you know, 
uh, structureless feeling driven <laughs> writing and it was very useful um especially at the beginning and then after a while we um we kind of just developed a, a way of working together um we kind of we knew what we wanted the story the sort of we, we'd figured out the turn of the story and that we didn't really want to write it so it was boarding chucking it into the edits yeah having a look boarding so we just sit there back and forth sort of building it for ourselves mm -hmm. um just from conversations it just didn't yeah. feel like you know i can draw fast so yeah, we might as well just yeah why know, why are we spending more time yeah. on the script let's just get through it <laughs> yeah. yeah the the ending is is um you know that perfect combination of of you know sort of heartfelt and and like sad and happy right sad because you're you're breaking up you know breaking up but this this you know beautiful loving relationship between father and daughter and hopeful because you're breaking up this beautiful relationship between father and daughter so you know she's i was going off in, into the universe now to to you know fulfill her potential and, and go on some adventures and the father is being left behind on his own but of course is, is quite supportive of the idea um it's very it's very emotional it's it's an extremely emotional ending and um i'm wondering did you was that the like you know i have to think that the, the idea of her going off was probably in there early on but you know what, did, how did you guys handle and then you said you know there was another person helping up the writing too you know how did you handle the emotion of that of that scene how um, really did we actually know about her leaving i think we kind of went back and forth right but yeah we, we did go back and forth so i mean look it's bittersweet but i think the the relationship was warm but ultimately al was was always sort of living in her father's world you know yeah like they lived in the world together. i mean which is what happened as a parent you're supposed to set the rules and the you set a, a you set a safe box a set a safe construct for your sort of child to exist in right and you kind of i mean i'm saying this i'm not a parent so <laughs> but i've got many problems and no and i'm not a parent i'm not a parent either but you don't need a parent to understand the responsibility <laughs> of a parent is to keep your child safe yes. and safe and alive right like that's yeah, yeah. Exactly. and you kind of imagine that that would you know that that's always going to be the case you know yeah, yeah. but um you know that the child might have a different shape box and might not be the same you know yeah. or just a different shape to your your shape so the the i think that a lot of the warmth that we experience in the relationship is almost centered around the fact that he's he's able to let her go you know it's like he's actually saying i understand you might you have you might have a different shape box than than mine and 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 i'm I'm able to love you whilst accepting that and whilst allowing you to, to discover that box for yourself. You know, I think that's where the warmth comes from. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, it's not a, the idea of a, a child being different and a parent having sort of uh, ideas that are perhaps a bit outdated or they don't see who the, the they don't agree with whatever interest the child has is not a new idea it's been done a lot yeah. especially in animation well i think what we wanted to do was was approach it with some with more truth and if we'd done it the usual way she would have been like oh you don't get me and he would have been like you know dot, dot, dot. you know that that it's the sort of dynamic you see play out over and over and over again 
but it's not that simple in life normally you can have a warm you can have warmth and closeness and the 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 sort of sorrow of of not non understanding or or sort of some sort of generational schism yeah, like, or something it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty complex and and oh, for you to yeah. for, for the for the ending to feel like anything you kind of have to feel like she's losing something like she's she's going to yeah. miss the there was good stuff you know yeah. there always is good stuff unless it's a terribly dysfunctional well, you know yeah. it wasn't what we were talking about we were talking drawing from our own experiences yeah. and we love parents and stuff but there's you know well wanting wanting the best for your child doesn't always translate into wanting the best for your child right because yeah, yeah exactly. so you know like and it happens it happens every fall if you're privileged enough to to have a child that goes to school away to school or away or even if you're saying if your kid is moving away to work or a different you know like that's it's always a difficult proposition for a parent of course um mm. to your point Nadia, you all, you're always they're always going to be your little baby of course right but um you know, having a having an understanding about and misunderstanding of of what what's out there in this big scary universe is like that's a very, uh, you know, that's a very uh, that's a big hill for a parent to get to climb over, isn't it? Because you know, at, at the same yeah. time, especially a gifted child who clearly has something that needs to be shared, you know, mm. with with the universe, right? But that that conflict within a parent knowing you have a special child that should be ready to bloom, but at the same time, you know, I got to keep her close and safe and, and warm and fed and all these other things. I mean, that, and, and, and of yeah. course, and culturally it's different, right? You know, in the West, we tend to like send our kids away easy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we put our parents into homes as soon as we can, so we don't have to ever talk to them again. Um, <laughs> you know, like it, it's culturally, it's different. So um, yeah. I would, sorry, go ahead, yeah. No, no, Sam. Finish you. Yeah, yeah. So no, that's that's kind of it, right? So that, that's I, I think I, I understand I understand enough about about that to understand how important that moment is, and and as it's I, there's bravery in both parts. Mm. For her, obviously, it must have been just frightening, exciting, but frightening to get on that yeah. ship, and for him, so frightening because now mm. he's alone. I mean, of course, he's got his people and his his, his village, and of course, but he's alone yeah. right that's the single parent thing too right like that's got to be such a scary proposition um, yeah I mean so like you know something that was also important to Daniel asked that everything that we write about needs to be true you know yeah. it needs yeah. to be true these are not these can't just be ideas that we sort of mm. thinking about talking about and we want you know to write it in there like I think there must be so my speci my speciality in, in in the animation industry is animation, you know, mm -hmm. the actual and like sort of act, the character character work and the acting and all that, the performance, right? Performance. And um, you know, my experience with my father is that I didn't get that ending. You know, I didn't get that specific ending. And if I if I if I didn't, you know, sort of decide to go on the ship myself, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to, I wouldn't have been here, you know, I would have still been, you know, um, um, doing the, the, what, whatever it's sort of task wife. he'd, yeah, yeah, I would have been the, the good wife version of a daughter, whatever mm. that is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, in, in a way, the ending of the film is like a cathartic release for me, you know, it's like, um, and, and this is, this is, it's one of the gifts that the film gives to me is that I, I, I get to watch it and, and I get to, 
have that that moment or that that I didn't get to have, you know. And and I guess you know, being the sort of being an animator, there's you know, feeding back on the on the shot and on the animation, I'm able to I'm able to see certain you know small nuanced things in the performance that I know would come from that feeling because that's what I feel. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. So I think that to some degree that must play a role in maybe in in the. Uh, I think that yeah, because you know, we were quite consciously trying to keep it as simple as possible, so that there is actually room yeah. for emotion. You know? Yeah. Because like, if you look at it objectively, it's a lot of people have said the same thing, which is like, I was surprised that I felt so much emotion. You know, um, because there are lots of similar, objectively similar stories. So it really comes down to like when we are reviewing animation. Like, unless you can feel what the character's feeling in some true way and relate it to yourself in some true way, you know, I'm probably accessing it differently to you. Mm. It might be me and my grandfather and feeling mm. unaccepted by my, which was how I accessed it. Mm. You know, like you have to feel it so that you can communicate it to the animator. We would do a lot of acting out ourselves, mm. you know, and just try to keep it as simple as possible because that's all you're trying to communicate, that emotion, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's it's a wonderful combination of sort of not only subjective truths, as in Nadia felt some of her own life maybe come about, but it's all they're also universal truths, right? I think most people can understand longing and loss and and yeah. fear, and that's again, Star Wars is great at sort of mapping out these sort of existential general ideas of how the universe works from an emotional standpoint, and these are grand yeah. things for sure. But to your point, Dan. This it, none of it matters if I don't give a shit about Al. Like if I right, if I don't, if I don't care at all about her, I don't. Yeah, okay, great, go, go have fun. Yeah. You left, great, you left your dad behind. Good for you. Yeah, like it's you know that doesn't matter, right? So that's what I'm saying. The effective the effectiveness of the writing of this short that you guys did, I thought was so profound because in a very short period of time with an extremely low word count, uh, not word count, um, dialogue, um, I I like I was in. <laughs> you know, like I, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm like, I'm like, okay, let's go, right? I'm let's give me part two, right? Like, give me Al's song, give me the continuing adventures of Al's song, right? Like, I'm good. I'm in. Glad we um, talk. I'm glad having this interview with you. Then, <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to do this really quickly, and I didn't. I don't know if it's a thing. It seems like an obvious thing to me, but this the idea of of conflict diamonds, blood diamonds, is that. Is that uh, okay? Because I, I didn't haven't seen anybody really talking about it, and I wasn't sure if it was uh, if I was just like I don't feel like I was reading too much into it. It felt seemed really obvious to me, but so I don't know if people I don't know if anyone listening knows what I'm talking about when I say conflict diamonds or blood diamonds. And it's not just South Africa; they come from other parts of the world too. But basically, well, these are these are diamonds that are yeah, these are diamonds in our mind um, using methods uh, usually involving some type of child or slave labor and are usually mined in, in horrific and nefarious conditions and these diamonds go all over the world and a lot of people listening are probably wearing them right now and they don't even realize it um so uh talk about uh, it it sounds like that was that was the point so maybe talk a little bit about sort of what was your intention with that so um like like i said on uh, when we were at uh, um at uh, Star Wars celebrations, you know, you kind of discover the meaning as you as you discover the story. So it wasn't like we were thinking, 
blood diamonds and then how do we make a metaphor for that in Star Wars? Right. It actually, the idea of, of the bled kyber came first and then it was like, oh, yeah, that's obviously the right idea for, you know, blood diamonds, but but also just the um, issues of land and colonialism and a poisoning and a healing, and, you know, it all sort of... <clears throat> it's like, um, you know, we've been asked a couple of times, like... How did we introduce Africa or Africanism or whatever into into the short? And our answer to that is that you know we just trust that we are Africans, and so whatever we are inspired by, whatever we write is nat- naturally comes from what we've experienced as Africans. You know, so we don't think about it too much in terms of like we gotta like find this this thing or this whatever. Like naturally, whatever we write, it comes from what we've experienced, and and you know, so it, it's a. Um, and like when you came up with the idea, you know, it's it's just you you just dis- we discovered a lot of those those things afterwards because we were forced to because people would question us about it. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then you'd have to answer the questions and then you realize, oh yeah, that's the feeling. That's where that yeah. comes from comes from that feeling. Yeah, and it, it's it, well, yeah, I don't know why somebody would accuse you of being convoluted because that you write what you know. I mean, you you write in the world in which you exist, and and it's only natural for certain things to find their way into your storytelling. If you're if you're if you're writing in good faith, if you're being honest with yourself, yeah. of course, um, that's that's the best stories when you you know when you get a sense of who these people are, like the writers I'm talking about, the story, the crafters, um, and and also I guess maybe people feel like maybe it's a sort of sore subject or a hot topic issue and there there is sort of this 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 section of 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 all fandoms where it's like um they don't like it when their entertainment gets too political sometimes right Mm -hmm. that sort of that can turn people off i think um it doesn't turn me off i like it because again Mm -hmm. this is this is the world in which we exist but i don't but i don't live in south africa right i'm not i'm not close to it like Mm -hmm. some people are so you know in a sense that um I think like Nadia sneaking off to sing in rock bands as a child and things like this, like I, I find it, uh, I'm attracted to the rebellious nature of your storytelling in a way, because I don't know if like at certain points in certain places and certain times in the history's planet, you wouldn't have been al- allowed to tell that story. Even, even, even in a casual manner, I think you would have, yeah. you would have found yourself, especially in the history of, of, of South Africa, you would have found yourself persecuted for probably telling such a story. Right. So um, I actually, I actually find it, uh, rather courageous um let's go to the score so uh marcus Wormst- wormstorm which is the greatest <laughs> last name i've ever heard in my entire life it is i think it is um it's actually it's, inspired it's, by it's, it's dune right he's, yeah he's it's a, he took it, his name he's a big uh, inspiration sci-fi for fan yeah. perfect so he's a that's his sort of stage name he's a he's a he's a sort of local uh electronic music legend I wasn't sure, yeah, if that was uh, the real name or not, because just when you think it yeah, is, then you're they're like, they're like, they're like, no, that's my like. I met someone whose last name was Broomhead, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, and that's their that was their actual like okay. that was their their government Christian given <laughs> last name, and uh, so you just you never know, you never know. Um, so Marcus, along with the Cape Town Youth Choir. Um, one of the things it's actually the whole I enjoyed the score throughout the whole volume. I thought every every short the score was was wonderful and and a character in its own, but yours is fantastic. And you know, I've heard you talk about injecting sort of voices into all the sound effects, right? Um, but and Nadia, you do some solo work on this, which I thought, I mean, at the end too, it's just like it's 
Yeah, I'm just going to say it's so effective. I found it so like it really made my hair stand up and, and I thought it was really, really wonderful. So talk about um, this because you guys would, of course, had a lot to do with deciding what the score was going to be, right? Well, I guess let me just start off by saying that. So the the lead singing in the film, that's not me. That's that's actually, it's samples. Um, not Al. I was a little girl. I mean, one of the... I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, like yeah, the, 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 yeah. orchestral music and and the sort of so my voice is in there, but it's it's part of the layering. Mm -hmm. um, it, we so what happened was we maybe let's just start from let's start from the front. So <laughs> start about our intentions. Let's start with our intentions um, with the sound. We really wanted to we wanted you to create a soundscape that felt felt like what you would feel if you were playing outside with your toys and you know you and you had some plushies and you had like a, a walker toy and you're like you know you're outside and, and you're like you do you know you're playing in a rock and that that that's the feeling we wanted the sound to have you know so so our touch points uh we had obviously for the score and then for like this actual sort of yeah. in world music like the singing and the crystals and stuff there was an artist called uh mort garson he's from i think 60s 70s an og sort of synth guy and then obviously like i don't know if you've seen future boy conan the um miyazaki series from the I 70s seen that. no i haven't seen that and, it's great yeah, <laughs> yeah and nausicaa some of that early like electronic synth yeah. Yeah. you know yeah. it has a it has a sort of even though it's digital, it has a sort of organic analog feel to it. The notes are imperfect. There's just something very nostalgic about it. Um, and then for the for the crystals, we really like the sound of the um, of Bulgarian choir music, these sort of female choirs. Um, Nadia, when I pitched, sort of pitched it to Nadia, Nadia really responded because it has a, you know, she grew up in a Muslim background, listening to the call to prayer every Friday, and there's a lot of musical overlap between Bulgarian because it's it's quite East yeah, Europe, I'll, you know. But sing. it's women, which is in obviously in Islam, the women don't sing, the men sing, you know. Yeah, I mean the yeah, the women be yeah, the men sort of take the lead with the singing. It, to me, it felt like that would be the female. <laughs> no, no if they took the lead. Yeah. yeah, it almost felt like that would be the female version of, of of what was of the feeling that that you get when you sing like the Islamic songs and the and the Islamic prayers and all of that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was very excited when I heard that. It's like a tonal ambiguity to it, you know, you can't, it's, it, it kind of, you know, it, like the film is bittersweet in some way. And we didn't want the crystals, what we really didn't want was the crystals, the red crystals, even though they've been poisoned, to just come across as sinister and scary and, you know. Just one thing. We, we wanted, wanted them to be complex. Yeah, exactly. You know? Because they still have their true nature inside. Yeah, you know, it's also not trying... their. It's also not their fault. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so that that was our touch points, and then, so um, Marcus recorded with the Cape Town Youth Choir, and we got a lot of stuff that we that we used, but it, with the sort of solos and the individual voices, we found that it was actually just too difficult for people who weren't trained. Just, mm. you know, surprise, surprise. Culturally specific things are actually not easy to replicate. <laughs> um so he found some amazing samples from a, a bulgarian singer yeah, that we really. that we laid in and and it really helped sort of give that feeling yeah, yeah we we layered that in with um you know uh 
with the steps. So I recorded some, some, I, 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 so I was a soloist, but I recorded like lots of weird different stuff, you know, so okay. you're not necessarily just the singing. And in the think in the behind the scenes, um, the behind the scenes video, there's a shot of me singing. And what I was singing in that shot was part of um, a past that we did where there was a lot of that. But then we decided to to make a change. Kind of pull that back. Yeah, yeah. pull that back. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I mean, Nadia's voice, my voice is in the like the some of the machinery and like some of the destruction. If you listen carefully, you know, when they're zip lining out, you hear like me just making sounds into the mic. And and when when the voice calls to her, you hear like and stuff and whispers in the cave. That's that's Nadia. So we really just wanted to get human voices and we were the the closest humans at hand a lot of the time yeah. <laughs> we just gave we gave markers yeah. basically a kind of yeah kind of samples to work with <laughs> For, yeah Al's song state is such a beautiful ethereal you know those scenes especially like the, the the main one where we really see like her veil come out and start to sort of like envelop the poison you know that's that's fighting back right the two are fighting against each other aren't they and her veil of course wins in the end but just that's i thought where like all the elements really came together really well um that's, that's so good yeah. shout out to Danae, little girl who sang yeah she's great yeah <laughs> that was interesting too that you know we're not gonna have time to talk about how you but you did cast um two actors right one for the just dialogue and one for the singing part which was really really yeah. i thought that was such a cool idea and it, it worked so well so well hmm. um Visually, of course, like, you know, you've got, uh, uh, I just wrote a couple things down, but I know animation is uh, the list of people that contribute is so long, but, you know, uh, art director Philip Rios and lighting supervisor Andrew Wilkins, I thought the lighting in this thing was phenomenal. Um, talk about the decision to use sort of like felt animation. And I think this, I think um, Ao Song has the best opening shot of the whole season of volume two. I thought the opening mm -hmm. shot is, is incredible. Uh, it, get, it gets you it gets you right away so talk about the sort of the felt decision and then just overall you know sort of your 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 idea visually for what you wanted to get from this the felt really sort of speaks to the idea that Nadia was just talking about of playing yeah you know, it's, it's yeah. almost it is quite a childhood texture you know I feel like I was yeah. oh yeah a lot more felt as a child when she was an adult yeah um, and it's it's something that you just you see it and you want to touch it and like anything that's going to pull the viewer in that's mm -hmm. going to appeal to them is you know was what we wanted. Um, obviously, yeah, Felipe, our art director, was was great to work with, um, and Andrew is a real talent. Yeah. The um, so the lighting, it's I'll do paintings for each shot, so I'll paint the light. And then the lighting artist will take that and they'll sort of try to replicate it as closely as they can. Mm -hmm. And the the sort of the feeling, my my favorite films, and I think Nadia's too, really, in animation are Miyazaki, Ghibli films, and those background paintings um, by the, I think his name is Ozu, the, the background artist. Those, for me, are just the most visually, there's something about them. Even though I didn't watch them as a child, I feel like I did. There's a nostalgia in them. And the intention, for me at least, was to sort of evoke that same feeling in, in the backgrounds and the world. A world that you just, you want to be in the world, you don't want to have the problem. I think I heard somebody say that. That's a good, like, good production design. Um, <laughs> That just that just pull that just pulls you in that you just you want to go visit that just feels like 
that's uh, childhood summer. You know, obviously we were inspired by by the, you know, the, we live right at the base of a mountain. We're inspired by the local rocks and vegetation and we get as much of that familiarity because it, it means something to us. So, you know. And I think that's why, you know, um, you could paint what you painted and why the artist could execute execute it is because we were basing the world on the place that we come from, mm. you know. The, yeah. So, the you know, it looks like what it feels like to be on that specific mountain range that we um, that we base the the, mm. the world on. Okay. Yeah, I I, re- I I hate thinking practically when it comes to anything in in animation. So like, it's like, what does it feel like? Exactly. Whenever I, if I'm painting any <laughs> color key, um, I I just I have to feel I have to feel the shot. When I'm yeah. Painting it. And it yeah. works. If you feel it, it will come through, and other yeah. people I think, will feel it. Too, and we, we know. both share that value as well. So you know, to any part of the the pipeline of the, the animation, you know, conundrum. <laughs> yeah. It's like the most important things to us, thing to us was, and, and I think our technical artists really, um, <laughs> we apologize, but we, you know, continuity, as long as like the shots just about mm. feel like they follow, you know, that's fine. But the most important thing is that the feeling is right. Mm. You know, it, it's like, it's so easy to get lost in making sure that everything is just technically sound. It's like the sun was over here yeah. in that shot, and, and <laughs> you know you got to make sure that it all yeah. that that was that wasn't that important to us. Well, but fortunately, with Daniel's, with your skill and your maturity at what you do, you know those sort of things sort of come natural naturally to to you. So you could you could paint the feeling without having to be bogged by the technical stuff because you just yeah. you think I mean, that way naturally when you paint. So I've been doing it for a while. And also we'd kind of cheat we did a lot of cheat sort of stuff like um yeah a lot of so i don't know if you know about the process of animation in any sort of detail but so when i boarded it i was specifically thinking i was i was using uh once again uh, miyazaki's films as a reference for camera and how little he actually moves the camera a lot of sort of you know there's a lot of criticism of of young filmmakers they don't move the camera enough it's all locked off so it was a it was a scary move to not move the camera much to let the action in the shot do the work to ha- still have the sense of movement kineticism mm. uh, that, with a still camera. I actually think that um, so I also always had a love for just having like just still cameras, and I think that was one of the big points that we aligned with yeah. in, initially yeah. when we started talking. We both love just like not letting the camera all the character performance, not not letting any of that like force something on you, just like keeping things as things as still as possible so that, you know. It also helps because then when you do move the camera, which we do a few times, it feels like something because there's contrast, you know. But but what I was saying was um so we'd have like if you track in or pan or anything like that, you can you can just overscan the render. You're not actually having to render each frame. So what we'd do is they'd light it. Once we'd approved lighting, they send it to me and I could paint on top of the render and then send it back to comp. Then they put the characters on. So we could get a much higher uh, looking, much higher production value looking film. Like if there's no grass in the background or there's no, you know, the windows aren't, the shaders on the windows are looking terrible or, you know, anything too close to cameras and holding up, I could just paint on top of it. Mm-hmm. So I painted on top of most shots, most shots yeah. you know. Um, which is just like a, a hack, a cheat. But sure, it but it, 
Right, but it works because it creates a wonderful field of view, right? Because when you when you you create that depth, that perspective, that that makes it feel tangible in a way that like going left, that that going yeah. going left or right doesn't do that. Like that's like an old platform Nintendo game, right? Like Mario Brothers <laughs> or something, right? Like when you're just moving left to right, but when you can move, when you can create front to back, that's really powerful visually, right? So that's why your world. You know, animation is tough because you got to suspend disbelief, right? You have to sit in that theater or, or your living room or whatever, and you're watching a world that is doesn't exist. And and our brains have a hard time because we're surrounded by real things, right? Glasses and whatever. So like, I have to I have to shut my brain off and exist in that world for 16 minutes or two hours or whatever. Um, and that's where you know visually, I think our song really s stands above some some all of the other ones really. Um, it feels like a real world to me, even though it's felt in animation and, and like it felt, I felt like I was in, I was brushing that beast with her and, and, uh, you know, yeah. So, so like it, it felt, it, it's, it's, it's a great, it's, it's really effective in that way. Like, and that, I think your technique really, I think zeroes in on, on creating that, that depth, that perception. And that's, that's, it's a wonderful place to be. So, um, I've kept you guys way too long. I'm gonna get you out of here. You, you're a Ghibli fan. Are you a Spirited Away guy? Are you a Are you a Spirited Away guy, or what's your favorite? Uh... I, it's like yeah, favorite children. I know, I know, I know. Which <laughs> one? Which one have you seen the most? Let's go. Let's go with that. Uh, I'm a Totoro guy. Totoro. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. I, I normally I watch all of them. So yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've I seen Totoro the most, though. I think it's probably my favorite. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think probably Mononoke and Totoro are yeah. my favorites. Yeah. Maybe they I'm... keep and Nausicaa. Yeah. Nausicaa is great, too. Yeah. yeah. Nadia, any comments? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's Kiki. Kiki also, for some reason, produces some of the best art of all of them. Um, mm. I've seen some wonderful renderings of and screen prints, and again, just collecting these things in spoke mm. art in these different galleries. I, I don't know. It's I've seen some wonderful, wonderful Kiki art for sure. I, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Something about her story really inspires people creatively more than the other ones do for whatever reason. But um, it feels very real. Yeah. Kiki, like a... you know, yeah, I think out of all of them, well, no, let me not say that. I think Kiki just does it. This it's so good at celebrating the ordinary. Small things. Yeah. That's I love that in general. I love it when people celebrate the small things because I think yeah. the small things just take it, the so-called small things we take for granted. Like what matters is the depth of your experience, you know, and you can have an extremely deep experience with something that seems menial and small. And I think Kiki's delivery service does that so well. Hmm. You know. It's um, the, so, the, uh, the space between, right? Yeah. The space yeah. between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, and, but, um, I, I love Nausicaa and I love Spirit Away. So, and what <laughs> the stories I usually write are quite big, but like I love that value, just celebrating yeah. the small things. It, it is amazing. The library is is, is insane because you're and you're right. It's difficult to, <laughs> to pick one above the rest. But as far as just yeah, Toro, I did just seen to Toro the most. Maybe that's why I think it's my favorite. But um, <laughs> I think that's a great uh, great spot to end on. Our song might, you know, you know, it's of course feels like a different world, but this idea of, I mean, that's the hero's journey, right? I mean, it's it's Luke Skywalker daring to go out there and and you know for whatever reason and leaving the safe world behind, or you know, 
somewhat safe world behind and and how that's how getting on that ship and and going off and and that's the hero's journey right and that's that's the impetus for what star wars is uh, just you know it's of course influenced george has said it's influenced by so many different things dan like you were saying earlier like you see so many different things in star wars right different genres and inspirations but ultimately it's about adventure it's about young people daring the universe to take me on right like he, here's me right? This is me universe, accept me as I am. And I'm going to go make big, wonderful things. And I think that was like the biggest thing I took from our song was like, um, here's this quiet, maybe diminutive, diminutive little person who was capable of enormous things. And I and thought that was, yeah. Full Caesar in the whole galaxy, apparently. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. Wait, hey, part two will be like, she, when she finds <laughs> out that like, it's very commonplace. Yeah, everyone can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think one thing Star Wars does well is like the hard, the hardest thing in life is to make a choice. Mm. <laughs> it's yeah. The hardest thing. Yeah. It's, it's, especially when you've got choices to make, like it's it's hard. It's it, anyways. Can't go there. It's even harder. choices to make. <laughs> no, actually, I disagree. But but anyways, like um, I think what Star Wars does so well is that you have these different characters from from all over the galaxy making choices, but somehow their choices are connected right and and it's like there's some sort of strange magic to that to that the fact that you know we're all making these choices but our choices affect each other and it, and it affects the grand scheme of things and i think souls is just um portrayed that so beautifully and and more successfully than you know any than when i've seen anyone attempt that anywhere else um and i think the the fact that Star Wars, that the Star Wars universe already has the gravity of of that portrayal that successful portrayal like that is that is I think that is how we were able to yeah, maybe like do what we like you can just exactly yeah. you know you just feed into that 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 it's maturity and it's a mythology I think that's people yeah. don't realize that yeah. it's a mythology and it, yeah. even though like the writing could be clunky and it's you, if you could criticize it with a modern lens but that's not actually what he was trying to do you know if you look at if you look at mythology often it can seem sort of like stiff and strange but it's but it's something it's, it's something exactly it's something that feels real archetypal decisions yeah it, well it's it's not sexy it can be boring sometimes too right like that's that's like that's the homework side of star wars right you're like oh, <laughs> i know it's like okay yeah i got some books to read but um but i i'm with you i think that's the good stuff i mean that's that's the that's the the what the universal truths that we talked about earlier right yeah. so if, if, if you're starting starting if that's your starting point I think you're in good shape. So I'm very happy Lucasfilm reached out to Trigger of Hish. I, I absolutely loved Al's song, and I love that you guys took some time to talk to me today. So thank you both very much.